Okay, this morning I am filling in for Pastor Jimmy. He, um, we went, me and my wife went on a date last night, and we do what all other couples do is you want to get away from your kids, but that's all you talk about is your kids on the date. And so that's what we were doing. When Jimmy texted me about 7 o'clock, I said, hey, man, I am sick. I am not feeling good. And I, so I took a deep breath. Okay, I think we can work that out. And then, um, you yeah, know, we didn't get nervous or anything like that. And then he texts me again about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. He says, I am out. I, can't, I cannot. And he's got a kidney stone that um, he's had it for a while. But, man, it just started moving uh, yesterday. And it's got him this morning. And so uh, I'm up for him. So pray for, uh, pray for Pastor Jimmy. Pray for, his, pray for his wife, really, you know, yeah, with that. Because you know how that could be. But uh, anyway... I am excited to be speaking this morning, although I'm very nervous because when I normally speak, I know about a month ahead of time or you know, a couple months ahead of time. So I got a routine. You know, the week before I speak, I, you know, there's some things that I'll do and that I'll incorporate just to get like in game mode, like what a player would do. And so, you know, I try to make sure my mind's right. I try to make sure I got everything lined up. And so when he texted me last night that I got to preach, oh my gosh, I got so nervous and, and I was very nervous this morning and I got, I got some people that we met. Uh, before service starts, and they're following me around. I'm like, man, here. And so I'm moving all over the place. And I have a tendency to talk very fast uh, with that. So I'm working on today to slow down and to speak to you, to speak to you what God has placed on my heart. And, you know, in what Jimmy and I were talking, he said, well, what do you want me to speak on? Do you want me to, uh, you know, to speak on you know, something that you were going to speak on? Or do you want me to speak on something that I've already done? What do you want me to do? And he said, well, speak on something that, that, you, that you've already done. I'm like, okay, good. Well, that put me at ease a little bit. But, man, it just did not feel right in my heart. And, and you know, and I thought it through, and I prayed about it, and I have been chewing on this since July, since uh, we took the uh, flood student ministry to camp uh, the second weekend in July. Not that they spoke about this at camp, but, man, it just has been on my heart and been in my mind, and I have been chewing on it ever since July. And I've shared it with the students uh, one night over at my house. We got together, had a cookout, and we talked through this. And then uh, shared it with you know, some of our ministry teams, hospitality and parking. And I like, I felt like the Lord said, like, Donnie, this is what I want you to speak on. Now, truth be told, it's, it's not a long 40-minute message. You know, it's going to be about 20 minutes. And I'm like, yes, yes, we got out early. But I'm telling you, what I've got to say to you today is what I feel is from the Lord. Whether it's 20 minutes or 40 minutes, you know, it's from the Lord. Because I feel that we need to hear that. And I feel this is what the Lord would want the church to know. Not just us, Rocky River Church, but the church in general. Because I think sometimes in America, we can get lazy with our Christianity. We can get lazy with who we are as Christians. We just could get lazy in general. And so I feel that this is what the Lord would have me to speak to you. And so the passage that I'm speaking from is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this. And he was writing this to the Corinthians. And Paul, he was, he was a young Christian. You know, he, he had not been a Christian all that long before he um, you know, started going on missionary journeys and telling people about, about Jesus. You know, there are many of you in here that have been Christians longer than Paul was before he started his missionary journeys. And so what Paul would do when he would write letters... He would write these letters to address different things and different situations that were going on, you know, in those areas. And Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, he desired, he hadn't been to Rome yet, but he had a desire to go to Rome, and so he wrote them this letter. But what the Romans were struggling with was this idea of grace, that God gives us His grace and we don't have to do anything. He offers it to us for free. 
And so the Romans just didn't quite understand that you get something for nothing. And yet Paul was telling them, hey, God's grace is free. And so that's what the letter to the Romans were about. Well, then he's got this young protege, Timothy, who was a young pastor who was leading this church. And, and so Paul writes this letter to Timothy. He is encouraging them and addressing these different situations, these different things that are going on in his life and trying to, to uh, encourage and uplift Timothy. Because Timothy was battling maybe some insecurity. He was leading people who was probably twice his age. He was more like his parents. And so Paul was addressing those things with Timothy. Then what we get here in Corinthians, you know, Corinthians was a modern town. They were a huge, it was a huge place. And what was going on with the Corinthians, they had a problem of looking down on other people. They felt that they were the super Christians. They loved the Lord, they professed a faith in Jesus, and, and, and they were excited to be known as Christians. But what they would do, if you had a problem, or if you had a struggle, or if things were not going right in your life, they would look down on them. And so Paul was addressing different things. And then they would also look down on you if you couldn't sing. Or you didn't have this type of gift. Or you didn't do this certain, you know, this certain way. And so you had to be a super Christian with all these awesome, wonderful gifts. Or you were nothing. And so Paul was addressing that to the Corinthian people. And he had addressed that twice. Not only in 1 Corinthians, but also he had to send another letter, 2 Corinthians. To address these issues that they were going on. And so what I think that, that Paul was writing today, or to them back then, applies to us today. In the 2 Corinthians, it's a, it's a long passage, so, uh, so bear with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now before we go on, the Corinthian people, you know what they were known for? Was for making prosthetics. They were known for making false arms and false legs, for legs or whatever for those that had been injured. And so they were very much aware of what Paul was talking about. And so Paul was trying to relate something to them in a way that they already knew about. And so Paul was communicating to them parts of the body on how they fit together. Let's pick back up. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm on a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact... God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable are treated with special modesty. Excuse me. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, listen. 
If you're reading this and you're hearing this, this is for you. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Can it be more direct than that? You are the body of Christ. And each one of you have a part of it. We are the body of Christ. If you're sitting in here today, and you're hearing my voice, and you claim to be a Christian, you are a part of the body of Christ. There's no exception. There's, there's no excuses. Paul lays it out here, right here, very clear. You are part of the body of Christ. And so I think there are some things that we, as a part of the body of Christ, that we need to understand. And that we need to learn and that we need to get a grasp of. And there are three things that I think that we can apply from this part right here, you know, to our hearts and to our minds. Number one, we must protect the body. We must protect the body. We need to take up for each other. We need to defend each other. If I've got a problem with someone, I need to go to that person and settle that problem. Not go to Facebook. Not go to Twitter, not go to my neighbor, not go to everybody else but that person. You need to go to that person. And then, if someone comes to you about a problem about somebody else, don't listen to it. Say, hey, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go tell them what you just said, and then we'll get together and we'll talk about it. Because we're going to settle this. Because you know when you're gossiping about a brother and sister in the Lord, you're trying to tear them down, you know what you're doing? If they're part of the body of Christ, you're tearing down the body of Christ. You're tearing down the church. You're tearing down Jesus. And so he directs us to go and work out our problems, defend each other. When one part rejoices, we rejoice together. When another person is suffering and hurt, we suffer and we mourn together. That's what the body of Christ does. And that's what Paul is instructing them to do. We don't argue with each other. You know, there'll be times we'll have disagreements. You know, me and Pastor Jimmy, we don't always get along. I mean, he's a Panther fan. I'm a Redskins fan. You know, he likes the Tar Heels. I like the Wolf Pack. You know, he likes, who knows? You know, and I like probably whatever opposite he likes. That's just the way him and I are wired. We're more like brothers. But if I've got a problem with him, I go to him. Because he's part of the body of Christ. But also the Lord has placed him in leadership over this body right here. And so we function together as the body of Christ. That doesn't mean we're always going to get things perfect or we're going to always get things right. There will be times that, that we'll mess up. And have you heard of the guy, the devil, like the Duke Blue Devils? Not necessarily the Duke Blue Devils. But we have an enemy that is very real, that is alive, and very active in this world. And he is going to do everything he can to destroy the body of Christ. We don't need other Christians talking bad about each other. We've got the enemy that already does that. And and anything that is good, the devil is going to tear down. We need to defend each other. Because we are the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ is united as one, there is no more powerful force in the world 
Because anything that stands against us will not prosper because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are to defend each other. My second point is we must work together to grow. We must work together to grow. Just like my hand, you know, cannot work without my foot. Unless, remember the Adams family? And that hand just came out of the box and it did whatever it did and went back down in the box, you know. That hand was stuck in that box. He couldn't go anywhere. You know, or um, I know if you've got kids, you've got all these Pixar movies like Monsters, Inc., you know, or Monsters University and uh, that big eyeball guy. I can't remember his name. Mike Laskowski. Yeah, him. You know, he was just, he was just one big eyeball, you know. Could you imagine just one big eyeballs walking around or all these little hands just crawling around on the floor? You know, God made us each different. He made the body to work together as one. My hand cannot function without being connected to my arm. And my arm can't function without it being connected to my shoulder, my body. And so with that, the hand is not by, important by itself, but with it being connected to the body, it becomes an important, valuable tool. But just like the other parts of the body, you know, like your heart or your lungs or, you know, your stomach, those things are equally as important as well. You know, last year I was in a bus wreck. I was driving the school bus. I wasn't having kids or anything on it. But I was driving the school bus, and it was a progression of, of uh, a sl- uh, things accumulating over the week. I flipped the bus, landed on my ribs. They checked me out. I was okay at that time. Then I woke up the next morning. I thought I was going to die. I couldn't breathe. I was hurting so bad. They x-rayed me on Wednesday morning and said, ah, you just got some deep bruising, maybe some cracked ribs, but other than that, you're good. And they gave me some good medicine that helped me cope through the day, and I did that. And then on Thursday, thanks to the medicine, I was able to function. I took my daughter for her annual checkup, and I could feel something popping in my back. And I was like, man, this doesn't feel right. But I was feeling okay. I could function. I thought it was just part of the process of healing. And then uh, Friday morning, went to do real estate on the side. I went and showed some houses to, uh, to some people. And I came back, and I was supposed to preach that Sunday for Jimmy. And I was talking on the phone. And when I talk on the phone, I'm a pacer. I will walk if I'm on a deep conversation. And so I was pacing the lake or the pond back here. And a guy I was talking to, I said, Dwayne, I'm sick. And I took my earbuds out, took my glasses off, and laid my phone down. And that, and that is the last he heard. I passed out. Everything was getting dizzy, all because of bruised ribs that had became broken, that had punctured my lungs, and then fluid built up. And you know, sometimes the body of Christ is like that. It's a slow progression. You know, when people are not using the gifts that God has given them, it's a it's a it's a slow pro, um, pro, progression of you know not working together. And, and then eventually you could function. I mean, I was able to function a little bit Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. But man, eventually it got me. And the body of Christ is like that. You know, when, when, when the body's not working together, it's a slow progression. You know, I didn't die, but I don't know what would have happened. It's a, it's a slow progression to sickness. And it's like a cancer. You know, I know we probably have friends or loved ones or maybe yourself have experienced it and, and what it does to the body. You know, and so what we need to do, we must work together to grow. 
When you're not using your gifts, you're, you're like the broken ribs or you're like the broken hand or, or you're like the cancer that the body is not fully functioning the way that God designed the body to function when you're not using your gifts. And then we're using our gifts, we're together as one and, and we're, we're as one body and we're, we're doing some awesome stuff. There is nothing greater or more powerful than the church and then that's when people will begin to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. When the church is working together and growing. And then the next point that I have is we have to be physically fit. We have to be physically fit. I've had two cycles in my life where I've lost weight. The first time I lost weight, I was part of a um, part of the YMCA, and I get up early in the morning, and you know, and I was, you know, I need to lose some weight. And the lady that was there greeting, you know, every morning, you, know, you get to talk and know her. She was a large lady. And she was giving me fitness tips. I'm like, what? You are twice my size and you're giving me fitness tips. I didn't, and I didn't receive that too well. But you know, we as Christians, we do the exact same thing, don't we? Hey, you need to get up and go to church because God loves you. But yet, you had a late night, Saturday night, you can't get up and go to church. Hey, you need to give your tithe and honor the Lord. And yet, when Christmas comes, like, well, I need to get this, I need to buy this present, and you don't tithe. Hey, you need to serve. You need to be a part. You need to you use the gifts God given you. And you just show up on Sunday morning and leave. So we're like that fitness person that gives advice but doesn't take their advice. You know, we have to be physically fit. We have to be working together. We have to be ready. And do you know that at Rocky River Church, there's only 15% of our body that serves and volunteers? 85% of Rocky River Church just comes and sits and then leaves on Sunday morning? And we're supposed to be a body? What if only your body, only 15% of your body worked? What if only 15% of your body functioned? Would you last long? But yet it's okay. You know, it's okay to be like that for, for, for the body of Christ to only function on 15%. But not okay for your body. We are a body. God has given us different gifts and abilities and talents to work together as one. My son, Michael Dean, he is now 11 years old. And I am so proud of him. He has been serving since he was about eight years old. And it's not easy. When he comes, he serves all Sunday. He'll be with me here at church at 7 a.m. to about 12, 31 o'clock serving. And now he's 11 years old. My 11-year-old son serves more than 85% of the body of Rocky River Church. My 11-year-old son. You know what? He loves it. He enjoys it. And he looks forward to it. And he has a great time doing it. And he's still developing. He's still trying to figure out life. He's still trying to figure out who he is. He's still trying to figure out his gifts. And you have gifts too. You might not know what your gifts are. But just jump in and try. Jump in and try something. 
Try a ministry. Try a different volunteer area. Just try. You know, I love that we've got the American Red Cross. I love that we've got the Salvation Army. I love that we've got the Humane Society and the United Way. Man, those things are awesome. But when you serve for the body of Christ, you're serving for something that matters for eternity. You are serving to something that will lead people to Christ. To lead them in a relationship that will change their lives. And my son, when he serves, when someone comes to know Christ in River Kids, he was part of that process. On the Sunday mornings with the people out you know, in the parking lot directing people where to go, and someone comes to know Christ, they are part of that process. When you're sitting at the front door passing out bulletins or helping check in kids or, or uh, making coffee or teaching in one of our kids' ministries, you are part of that process of people coming to know the Lord. Because I can't do it by myself. I can't sing. You definitely don't want to hear me sing. I can't get up here and sing. I can't get up here and play the drums. I could probably play my trumpet, but it'd be so off tune. You went like, what in the world? It takes everybody using their gifts to come to know Christ. And then when we do that and someone comes to know the Lord, you're a part of that process. And then when this life is finished, when this life is done and you go up into heaven and you're greeted by God, He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then you get to go and be a part of all the other people's lives that you were a part of, that change, that came to know Christ because you served. You used the gifts that God has given you to be part of the body to help lead people to the Lord. You used your gifts. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I got a video of a friend, Carol, who I love so much, who was so awesome that we're going to... Uh, just take a moment right there and share it. Hi, my name is Carol, and I would like to tell you a little story. I call it my tale of love. I moved here from California about two and a half years ago. The only people I knew in North Carolina, in the entire state of North Carolina, was my son, Donald, and my grandson. And First day we moved to Harrisburg. I threw a temper tantrum pretty much. I stayed in my room crying all day. Didn't come out unless I had to. I kept thinking to myself, oh my God, what have I done? What am I doing here? But I eventually, it was okay. I didn't like Harrisburg. I didn't like North Carolina at all, period. And then I realized I was lonely. I've never felt this feeling before. I felt, I had felt lonely being bored, but not lonely because due to lack of friends, companions, um, it was terrible. And I lived around the corner from here, and I would see Rocky River Church, but I never came. And um, the whole time I, I started praying to God to please help me to meet people, to, to be good people, and somebody that, you know, that could be friends with me, somebody I could talk to. 
And I said to him, come. And I didn't listen. Eventually, I, I realized if, if I wanted to change this feeling of loneliness, I needed to do something. So one, one, one Sunday morning, I got up and I came to church. And it was about two years ago. Because it was football season. The reason I remember is because I walked in and I saw uh, Pastor Jimmy with his uh, Patrick jersey on. And I thought to myself, oh my God, what is going on here? And I stayed for service. I left. I didn't come back for about two or three weeks. And when I did come back, I was walking across along what I call the field. And there was this lady at the door, a greeter. Her name is Mommy. And she jokingly said, you know, you should just jog across the field. And I told her, do you want me to have a heart attack? And we just kind of talked. And you know what? I clung to her. She was my lifesaver. I would see her at service and ask her if I could sit with her or, you know, a small chit-chat. And I remember one day I was crying in church, crying outside, and just telling her how lonely and things that were going on. And it was during Halloween, excuse me, the Halloween event. And she told me, what are you doing this afternoon? Nothing. Come back at 3 o'clock. Ask for me. And I told her, I said, but I didn't sign up. She goes, that's okay. They always need help. And I came back. And I looked at her. She found me, actually. And I was here the whole time. I was helping with the hamburger buns, opening them up, ready for them to put the hot dogs in there to serve. And uh, we talked. And, you know, again, telling her how lonely I was, and I, I needed to meet people. And she told me to volunteer. And I said, but what do I volunteer for? She goes, volunteer for everything. And I, it really sounded intimidating to me. And then she says, well, go go through the list. Do you have any musical talent? I said, no. Do you have any technical talent? I said, no. She goes, okay, don't sign up for those. Sign up for something else. And I did. If there was a request for volunteers asking for help, I was was filling out the connection card. I was signing up for everything and anything within reason. And you know what? I loved it. I started to smile. I looked forward to coming to church. I looked, you know, I was determined to be the best greeter you ever had. And um, I started meeting people. I started making friends. And um, I felt a part of, which is really important to me. So, you know, I'm just here to tell you, volunteer. Plus, the volunteer also helped me. It's a way of my giving back. Rocky River Church has done a lot for me. Fellowship. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you all for accepting me and making me feel a part of. I love you all, and I love Rocky River Church. Thank you. That is Carol's story. What is your story? You know, with Carol, she... She struggled with loneliness and she didn't want to be in Harrisburg. But I think in a conversation that we had after, you know, now that she's been engaged and volunteering and stuff, she doesn't want to go back to California because of the relationships that she has built here through serving. 
She's learning and using her gifts and her talents. And, you know, she speaks Spanish. So now she helps out at one of our outreaches that we have throughout the weeks, interpreting Spanish to people. And God is using Carol, using her gifts. What is your story? What is your gift that can, you can use for the body of Christ? I came across this news article of a, of a young man from North Carolina, and this was in November of 1990, and, and the Persian Gulf War was going on. He was 26 years old and didn't have a way to pay for college. So he thought he would sign up for the Army, and this guy's name is Michael R. Inch. He's from Boone. And so he signed up for the military and to, you know, to get the GI Bill so that he could go to college. But then when they talked about deployment to the Persian Gulf, he's like, hey, I didn't sign up for this. I just signed up to be, to get my college. I ain't going to go to battle. And so he sued the government so he wouldn't have to be deployed. So I think a lot of Christians are like him. Hey, hey, hey I just signed up to go to heaven. I didn't sign up for battle. We have an enemy who is real and who is active and trying to tear the church apart, trying to destroy people's lives. If you're a Christian, you're a part of that battle to push forward the kingdom of God. In the body of Christ, there is nothing that can stand up against it. You have a gift, you have a talent that can put back the darkness that will matter to people's lives for all of eternity. We are the body of Christ. And I want to challenge you to do before we leave today is think about your gifts and think about your talents. And on the back of the connection card, we have several ministry areas for you to serve and to get involved in whether it's cleaning the church or folding bulletins or or pulling weeds or helping put labels on mailers, you have a talent and the ability to be involved to lead people to Christ. Let's stand. We're going to pray. And I want you to pray about your talent, your gift, of something that you can use to be part of the body that we can take as many people to heaven, that we can share the grace and the love that Jesus Christ has so freely given us. Let's pray. God, you're an incredible God who loves us, who has given us many blessings, given us your grace and your love, but you also desire for us to function as your body so that we can share that grace and love with everyone that we know, with our neighbors, with our friends, our co-workers, our family members. So when everything is done, it can be said, well done, my good and faithful servant. That we're taking as many with us to heaven as we can because of a relationship that matters for all eternity. Help us know that we're part of the process of people coming to know you when we use our gifts. 
And it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.